Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Well, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday. By a show of hands, how many of us ate too much this weekend? Okay, amen. If you're not raising your hand, then you're either fortunate or lying, one of the two. But many of us could have decided to take that last portion and put it in the refrigerator and save it for leftovers later. But, you know, that was the decision we made, right? I don't want it for leftovers. I want it now. Now, we may have to walk a little longer or we may have to cut back a little bit, but it was totally worth it. I mean, I don't know about you, but for some reason that, you know what they call it, turkey coma? I think it's a serotonin or whatever it is, tryptosan or whatever the chemical it is. Boy, you just get a good rest after you take uh, some turkey. But that was wonderful. But you know what? After you take a nap, you have to get up and we have to make decisions. Decision making is something that everyone must do every single day. Whether you are deciding on what to wear, where you want to go eat, or how you want to handle the day. But this morning, you can continue to be thankful. Even though Thanksgiving is over, you can continue to be thankful for the things God is doing, not only in our lives, but in this church and in this world. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, you and I have access to something that those who do not know Jesus Christ have. What is that? That is power. That is the power of God. That is the power of his Holy Spirit. And even when things are not pleasant, we can be thankful You see, it is crucial for us, for our families and our friends and our church and our God, for us to make decisions that are based upon God's Word and His Holy Spirit instead of the world of public opinion. So this morning we will see the consequences of making wrong decisions based on lust, jealousy, and hatred. Because our world doesn't need that. It's full of that already. And we do not need... That And God is not pleased with it. Now, as I was scheduling sermons out, I was going through the book of Mark and and we got to this and I thought, well, you know, Christmas is so close. Maybe I just need to have a Christmassy sermon. But but folks, I'm telling you, with what we're seeing in the news and what's happening in our culture and just by going through a book of the Bible, I believe it speaks to you and I today. And it's a very unpleasant passage. We're going to be reading about the beheading of John the Baptist and how Jesus uses this. But the first thing that we see as we go to our scriptures, we are in the book of Mark, chapter 6, starting with verse 14. We see that bad decisions will come back to haunt you. You don't believe me? Those of you that are older, go back and look at your high school annual and look at your hairstyle. Or look at what you're wearing. You're thinking, why in the world did I ever wear that? Well... That's one thing to have a bad hair day or a bad outfit day, but this is truth that, folks, when we make decisions that are bad, they will come back to haunt us. Let's look at scriptures. Verse 14 says, Herod Antipas, the king, soon heard about Jesus because everyone was talking about him. Some were saying that this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. This is why he can do such miracles. Others said, he's a prophet Elijah. Still others said, he's a prophet like the other great prophets of the past. So let's take a pause in here just for a minute. 
What you see here is that you see everyone here was trying to put Jesus into a box. What do you mean putting Jesus into a box? There are so many people that they do not want to agree that God's word is totally true. They don't want to agree that Jesus is the king of kings and Lord of lords. They don't want to agree that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And they don't want to admit that they need to give Jesus all of their life. So what people do, people, especially Americans, especially people like you and I, we are really good at, it's a, a, a fancy term, I think, called car, car, I had it right on the tip of my, compartmentalizing, there it is. Can you say compartmentalizing? Can you? You don't want to say it. Do you know what it is? All right, y'all are being difficult this morning. Don't make me take off my jacket. <laughs> Compartmentalization, compartmentalizing things is that you have this you you have this here, this here, uh, OCD person's dream. Everything has its own place. But the thing is, long story short, is that your Christianity is something you put back in the back and only pull it out when you need it. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to put Jesus in a box so that they can understand them with their understanding. And i got to tell you, you are not going to be able to understand Jesus with your understanding alone, with human reason, because there's an element of faith that comes along with Jesus that some people just do not get. And so what we see here is the passage continues the thought that those who are closest to Jesus did not know how to define him. If you go back a couple of verses, you will see that his family and friends in his very hometown of Nazareth discounted Jesus' deity. Him, the Son of God, he's my brother. He's the son of a carpenter. He's a little crazy. You know, we we just tolerate him with all this Jesus. I'm the I'm the Messiah stuff. You got to be crazy. His own family, his own friends, the religious leaders that he was teaching with, that he was outshining them as he taught. They were discounting him. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Y'all remember middle school? Okay, yeah. Middle school is the worst year of anyone's life. Worst years of anyone's life. Maybe I'm bitter. Maybe it's my own personal trauma. But the thing is, is that in middle school and in high school, but basically middle school too, if someone wants to make themselves look better, what do they do? Come on, we've got some high schoolers here. They still do it, don't they? If someone wants to make themselves look good, they talk down somebody else. And i got news for you, it's not just those that are in school to do it. It's also those you work with. It's also those that you associate with. It's those you see when you're out in public. And it's those see, you see when you look into the mirror. We want to compartmentalize. We want to put down things that we don't understand. We want to discount things that, doesn't, that we don't agree with or that may require something of us that we don't want to give. You see, his peers and other religious teachers... They wanted to discredit him, whether it was true or not. And then we see, as Jesus sent out the disciples to share about Jesus, the word started to get out. So the hype around Jesus, as we are reading this, is real. There were so many people that were trying to figure out who Jesus really was. And so here we have a government official, Herod Antipas. He was the ruler of Galilee. And so... It was easy to imagine the confusion of the government 
a government official trying to figure out how to process and how to understand who Jesus is. And so, my friends, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there are believers and Christians that are in governmental offices, just as there are people that are not Christians in those governmental offices. Just like everywhere we are at, there are Christians and non-Christians alike. But what we see here is we see the head government official trying to wrestle with what do we do with Jesus. And so, we see that... This is not far from what still happens today. Do you really understand the full depth of who Jesus is, my friend? He is more than a cross that you wear around your neck. He is more than a song that we sing. And as December approaches, we celebrate the fact that he was a hundred percent human. He was born humbly as a baby, requiring other humans to take care of him, but he was also 100% God. So if you have ever felt misunderstood, if you have ever felt judged by other people wrongly, if you didn't understand the full scope of who you are, then my friend, you can talk to Jesus about it because the very same thing happened to Him. You are not alone. You are not weird. You are not broken. You are just like Jesus Talk to Him, and He will minister to you. He's been there. He's done that. He's bought the t-shirt. You can relate to Him. Relate to the Jesus of the Word of God, not what people put on your Facebook feed. Folks, do not look to the government, your job, your community, or your hobbies, or even your family and friends to be your Messiah. They are not your saviors. Jesus is the one and only Savior. He is our Messiah. These people that we, that we, we surround ourselves with, they are, we are meant to love them and they are meant to love us, but they are not meant to save us. That is Jesus' job and His job alone. So we see here that Herod's poor choices with John the Baptist, have just returned to haunt him. Look at verse 16. When Herod heard about Jesus, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has come back from the dead. He is being haunted in his mind by the memory of who he has killed. And instead of just leaving it there, Jesus says, as people are trying to wrestle with who Jesus is, Jesus begins to retell the story of what happened to John the Baptist. You see, since Herod had been directly responsible for John's death, the mention of a death of John causes Mark to interrupt the account that he is writing of the mission of the twelve in order to give you the story of John's murder. So here we go. Here's a little biblical law and order. A murder he wrote. If you remember, John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. His ministry prepared the people for Jesus' ministry. And here we see in verse 17. For Herod has sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother's, Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. Yes, the family tree doesn't fork in Herod's house. 
Verse 18. John had been telling Herod, it is against the law for you to marry your brother's wife. So here we have a, a, a leader, a governmental leader that has now married his brother's wife. It is not right. It is dealing with sensual pleasures. It is dealing with sins of the flesh. And John is saying it's wrong. And all of a sudden, he's on the chopping block. You don't think it would happen today? If you tell people that God has a design for sexuality, God has a design for gender, God has a design for marriage, and you just go straight to the Scriptures, no no embellishing, no personal what I think, just this is what God's Word says, let's talk about it. Do you not think that that would put somebody in a hot seat? It says verse 19, So Herodias bore a grudge against John. Yes, we see a woman that has been scorned. Who is this Bible thumper to tell me what I can and cannot do? I'm the queen. She wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. So she did what any other great wife would do. She manipulated him. Verse 20. For Herod respected John. It says that Herod respected him. Look, John stood up to him. John John went to the leader of that province and said, look, you are wrong. Do you realize how refreshing that is? Do you realize how, how gutsy that is to not be a yes man to the most powerful person in the region? That's why Herod respected him is because John stood his ground. And it says that, and knowing that he was good and a holy man. Herod knew that he was good. Herod knew that he was holy. So John's character spoke for himself and John's character protected him. Yes, my friends, the decisions you make today, the character that you build today will either help you or hurt you in the future. How many people have you heard of that they go for the job interview and all of a sudden, HR pulls them into the office and says, Hey, look, tell me about this Twitter feed that you've got. Tell me about this picture that you posted acting dumb in front of everybody. Yeah, look, you got on your work uniform while you're acting dumb. Are you sure you want... Look, let's have a talk about that. Bad choices affecting your character. That was not John's problem. John's problem was not a problem. It was his protection that his choices, his good choices, helped his character. As opposed to Herod, his choices would be his downfall because he had poor character. So it says that Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John. But even so, he liked to listen to him. He wasn't another yes man. Verse 21 says, Herodias' chance finally came on Herod's birthday. So Herod, the great ruler, is having a big shindig, a big old barbecue. And he gave a party for his high government officials, his army officers, and the leading citizens of Galilee. The who's who of Galilee was there. The chamber of commerce, the, the well-to-dos, the powerfuls, the people that, that get done and get things done in back rooms. When people think that they have a choice, but actually it's people just manipulating everything else. The most powerful people were at this birthday party. Then his daughter, named Herodias, came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guest. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, when this daughter came out and started dancing, 
This was not a uh, a country square dance. This was not even a ballet. This is something that you would probably see on today's American Music Awards. It was vile. It was filthy. It was sensual. It gave overtones of things that you you know what what I'm talking about. Those of you that are old enough to remember, she was like a solid gold dancer. I remember when solid gold first came out. Y'all remember solid gold, some of you older folks? I'm telling you what, it's like somebody put a bee in their backside and they couldn't get it out, so they just started dancing all over the place trying to get it out. But anyway, I'm just, I'm telling you, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to over-sensualize this, but I'm just telling you, I want you to understand, this was not a chaste dance. It was very suggestive. So suggestive that it caused Herodi, or Herod to shoot his mouth off. And so he says, Ask me for anything you like, the king said to the girl, and I will give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask, up to half of my kingdom. So now his mouth has wrote a check that he was going to have to cash. He could not look bad in front of all of these leading city officials by going back on his word. He has His mouth had put him in a corner. You know people like that? I do. I've been there too. You ever shot your mouth off and realize, <clears throat> uh-oh, i got to back it up. Well, here we go. It says, I will give you whatever you ask up to half of my kingdom. Folks, to a king, his word was everything. With his words, he could bring peace to the nation. With his words, he could start a war. With his words, he could give life to people. And with his words, could come death. And on this day, death would come from his words. Even though he liked John, even though he respected John, it says in verse 24 that she went out and asked her mother, what should I ask for? So here you go. The daughter's got her dad's attention. So she goes out and has mom, what, mom, what should I do? So mom takes the opportunity. Her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. Man, she had a grudge, didn't she? Her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. So the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. Man, that's pretty dark, isn't it? But it was dark days back then. Verse 26 says, Then the king deeply regretted what he had said. (laughs) You ever regretted something you said? Like, I know sometimes I'll tell, Donna and I will be joking around with each other, and sometimes I will joke a little too far. She'll say, what would you say? I'm like, ah, uh, I love you. It's all in fun, though, for us, but this was not fun. You see, making decisions based on power, lust, and greed, they backfired on Herod. It says in verse 27, so he immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in prison, brought his head on a tray, and gave it to the girl who took it to her mother. How sick and depraved and evil and vile were they 
to take a man's head, put it on a platter, and give it to one another as a gift. You say, oh, preacher, that, that, that's, that's just a Bible story. Folks, there are grotesque things like that that happen every day. I can just tell you stories of what we've seen as first responders that would make the, the hair in your nose curl. We live in a sick, twisted, and demented world, but yet Jesus is still on his throne. But the capacity for someone to be like this is there today. So they brought this head on a tray and gave it to the girl who took it to her mother. And then verse 29 says, When John's disciples heard what had happened, they came to get his body and buried it in a tomb. Folks, this is a, this is a horrific footnote in the sixth chapter of Mark, but it's crucial I'm going to give you real quick a few quick lessons that we can learn from this passage. Why would Jesus interrupt, or why would Mark, excuse me, interrupt the writing of what he's writing about Jesus being revealed to everyone to include this? Well, it's because God told him to. There's four observations. I have a Chuck Swindoll study Bible. I love it. And he gives us four observations, and I'm kind of paraphrasing some of these things, but Four observations for this passage. Number one, when you stand on God's word, expect retaliation. When you are standing on God's word, expect retaliation. Folks, evil does not take a break. Evil does not have rules. Evil will mess with people you don't like. Evil will mess with you. And evil will mess with your family just to get to you. Nothing's off limits. Evil does not shy away. It seeks confrontation, and it refuses to repent of its wrongdoings. You see, John confronted Herod on the wrongness of marrying his brother's wife. His opinion was not welcomed in that environment. But we must remember <coughs> excuse me, that God's truth is regardless the God's word is true regardless of the environment that we are in. Look, I I, I, I abhor politics. They make me sick to my stomach. But I'm not talking politics right now. I'm talking God's Word. And I'm just dumb enough to feel like that if God's Word says it, that's what He meant. Today's culture wants to worship God without regarding His Word as the ultimate truth. The world doesn't mind it if we read our Bibles. It doesn't mind it if we post nice, inspiring Bible quotes on our social media feeds. But they do mind when you say that the Bible says this, and it's true, and it's the only way it's supposed to be. That's where the rub comes in. Just as Herod's wife retaliated, don't be surprised if you suffer retaliation for standing up for your faith in Jesus. There are people in the business world that have lost promotions because they did not want to go booze it up with their co-workers. There are people that have lost their opportunity for advancement because the people know that they go to church and they don't like cursing and they don't like and, and they love their wife and they love their families so they don't get in, invited on the business trips. They don't make their way up the ladder because people know that they would be kind of a wet blanket if they go. Is that is that retaliation? Yes. But I'd rather say it's not retaliation, it's respect. The second thing, wickedness takes advantage 
of weakness. Wickedness takes advantage of weakness. Herod did not have the understanding. He did not have the capacity to make godly decisions. So if you're reading the news and you're, you're looking at what's happening and trending everywhere, and you think, what are they thinking? I'm telling you, they're not thinking because they do not have God's Word in their heart to make a good decision. They are, they are being left to their own faculties, their own minds, their own hearts. I heard someone say many times, especially during uh, uh, Valentine's, well, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. That is the most dangerous thing you can ever say in the most dangerous way you can ever live because Proverbs says the heart above all else is evil. Wickedness beats weak character every time. My friend, being a person of integrity and moral character doesn't make you better than someone else. However, it does give you the capacity to make better decisions. How many times have you said and heard other people say, I can't handle it? Only to see them be overtaken. Have you ever heard someone say, no, I don't have a problem. You're the one with the problem. Yeah, there will be people that will, will, will discount what you say and they'll try to minimize you. But at the end of the day, they will live under the consequences and the bitterness of their own decisions. Don't underestimate the power or impact of sin. It's two-fisted. It's vicious. And it goes for the juggler and it fights to win. Folks, take every opportunity to build up your internal strength and character. And you have done that just by being here this morning to hear God's Word proclaimed. Not because I am great, but because His Word is great. Make, take advantage of every opportunity for public worship, for prayer. Don't live your world by, I should have done or I meant to. The third thing is bad decisions bring bitter consequences. There's an old saying maybe your mother or grandmother used to tell you. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. Herod's lack of integrity, his lack of, of, of even wanting to, to worship God, his lack of wanting to understand, his, his lust and his, his depraved mind that put himself into a corner... That brought bitter consequences to him. He had to kill a man that he liked just to impress his guests. He let his wife and his daughter manipulate him into doing something he didn't want to do. Now, this is not a message against his wife and his daughter. If Herod would have been the man that God called him to be, he would have not let that go that far. Men, you are that are in here today or watching from this. You are the point man. You are the driver in the seat. You are the pilot. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when you and your family stand before God, you will be held, held accountable for the direction that they have gone in. Wow, that's pretty hard, preacher. Well, it's the truth. When I stand before God, He is going to look at me and every word I have preached, every action I have made, everything I've done, seen and unseen will be brought before you. And he's going to say, look, 
I put you in front of these people and I'm holding you more accountable. We all have to make decisions. So the day to build your character, men, the day to build your character, women, has never been more important than today because the character that you build today will affect the decisions you make in the future, which will affect your family, which will affect your jobs, which will affect this church and which will impact the world. But with Herod, pride and lust got the best of him. So please learn from him today. If you surround yourself with wickedness, your choices and consequences will be bitter. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't go swimming in a cesspool expecting to smell like a rose when I got out. And if we surround ourselves with disgusting, awful things, we're not going to come out smelling like roses. Last, when there is no repentance, guilt haunts the living. We see this in Herod's life. When there is no repentance, guilt haunts the living. You see, wickedness continued to prey on Herod's weakness, drowning him in guilt. Can you imagine that, that Herod is, is like living the dream and, and he's trying to figure out who Jesus is? Then all of a sudden, boom, somebody pulls this out from the past and says, Oh yeah, by the way, you were the one that killed John the Baptist. A poor decision that continues to haunt him. Here's what we can see from this, folks. Evil uses guilt to paralyze and destroy you. If you are listening to a sermon or if you are reading scripture and God is making you feel guilty about something you have done or guilty about something that you have thought, Satan comes in and starts to tell you, see how bad you are. You're not worth anything. God couldn't love you because you thought this. God couldn't love you because you did this. And he attempts to paralyze you and separate you from God. But the purpose of guilt is to draw you back to him. Through repentance. That is the purpose of guilt. The purpose of guilt is not to make you feel bad about yourself. The purpose of guilt is for you to realize the error of your ways and return to Him. Making godly decisions requires the power that only He can give. You see, my friends, the spirit of Herod is still alive today. Herodias is dead and gone, but the mentality is still alive. Pride and weakness, they abound in today's world. We see it in the news, we see it in our families, our friends, and even in our own lives. But folks, let me go ahead and tell you, it's easy to go with the flow, isn't it? Let's just go with what the, the, the crowd thinks about moral issues. Let's go with whatever cause that we want to, to follow. Let's go with what they think instead of God's word. Let's go with the flow. But my friend, the only problem is, is that river flows straight to hell. If you go with the flow, wide is the road that people walk, but narrow are the ones that find eternal life. Narrow is the road for the ones that love Jesus. Narrow is the one. Not everybody is doing that. The road is harder, but it is filled with more blessings. And boy, what a different destination than the wide road. Going with the flow... Flow straight to the pit of hell. Your family, this church, and this world, they need men and women like John the Baptist who are not afraid of retaliation when standing on God's Word. 
So make the commitment today, my friends, to build your character today for the decision that you will be making tomorrow, even though you don't know what it may be. You remove wickedness from your life today so you won't be powerless to make a godly decision. So I have a, a question for to end with, for you just to take with you. Just pack it up and put it in your heart and maybe put it on your little notes on your phone or whatever you want to do. But this is a question for you to think about. You see, Herod arrested John the Baptist under pressure from his wife and his advisors. And though Herod was respected, respected by John's integrity, in the end, Herod killed John because of the pressure from his peers and his family. So my question is, what will your choices reveal when you are under pressure? You say, oh, preacher, this is tough. Merry Christmas. I'm going home after this, and I'm going to get into my leftovers. Look, the reason it's here is because it is a warning of love. Jesus took a moment to remember his friend, his forerunner, the man that paid the price so that Jesus could do what he did. It wasn't for nothing. And the thing is, is that you are not alone to do this in your own strength, Christian. The Bible is God's holy word, and it gives you the wisdom to make right decisions. You want to change your life? I'm going to give you a real easy way to do that. When you start off in the day, read one proverb. I don't mean one chapter. I mean one verse. Read one proverb a day and see how it changes your, in, your insight to what's happening. Jesus gave us access to godly wisdom by giving us access to God. We can have God's power because Jesus gave us access to him. And finally, the Holy Spirit empowers us to make the right decisions. So, my friends, don't just complain about how evil the world is. Do what you can to make it better. Someone once said, if you don't like the way your life is, change it. If you don't like the way the world is, change it. You say, oh, preacher, I can't change the world. No, but you can change yourself. And that will change the world. 